0: For the fourth episode of Holly Tech Talk, we have the pleasure to host Mark Green. Mark is the founder and CEO of Camelate, a brand dedicated to creating innovative products based on camel milk. He is also the founder of Israeli Innovation Network, connecting European businesses with the Israeli startup ecosystem. Mark hosts the Israel Innovation Show, a video podcast showcasing innovative Israeli startups. He has a deep passion for languages and has been a polyglot since the age of 20. He created Maxilingual Academy. Where language learners achieve native fluency through the study of songs and musics. Mark has given talks about languages and innovation at inu- universities as well as on the TED stage. And today we have the pleasure to host him as our guest on the Holly Tech Talk show. Mark, welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Dan. I'm super excited to be here, um, to be one of the first guests on this uh, very cool podcast. And let's get it rolling.
0: Mark, I have the feeling that I didn't give enough in terms of who you are to our listeners. So why don't you go and introduce yourself on your own words and terms?
1: Of course. Um, well, you know, one of the things when I do university lectures, I usually, um, speak to say business students who are about to graduate and, um, they're, they've, you know, they maybe have done an internship and they think they know a lot, but like real take, you know, to get, to really know what 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 working life is like um they they're sometimes very surprised when they hear me speak because I speak a lot i speak don't speak so much about successes I speak a lot about failures about my failures, but you know the reality is that it's like it's ups and downs, and that just you know for me that's that, that's pretty much continued like that um you know till uh, until today so there's there's a lot to talk about there and and a lot of takeaways as well um I'll give a little bit of my background then so I grew up in the US and in Germany um was uh I have a German mom and an American father uh so uh yeah mixed background mixed culture um bilingual um so and and that kind of uh be also because my families had different religions uh, it kind of gave me a sort of a, I I'm not going to say identity crisis but um <clears throat> uh, moving around a lot like I I felt like a foreigner or I felt kind of like out of place a little bit everywhere where I was. And what that led to was uh, that wherever I traveled, I immediately um, was able to kind of settle in and um, embrace the culture wherever I traveled. And within a few days of being somewhere, I could like already visualize and picture myself living there for the rest of my life, having a family, adapting into the culture. So this is kind of like this is has this kind of my personality, and I think that's what led to me having like absolutely no fear of of learning languages, and that's why I I learned six languages by the time I was twenty. Um, I'm not gonna go too deep into that, but um, that's well, that's one thing I guess that defines me, and and I think in Israel especially, it's very. Uh, you know, everyone has a different background and, and most Israelis have parents from two different countries or backgrounds or cultures. So it's, you know, it's nothing out of the, uh, uh, nothing super extraordinary in Israel. And maybe that is why I felt so at home in Israel.
0: And so if we have to go, uh, slightly deeper into the reasons, uh, and the motivation that were behind the project of coming to live to Israel, um. You know, what could you share with us to um, that regard?
1: Okay, this, yeah, this is something that, that might actually be very interesting. So I, from the about 1999 to, or let's say from 2000, uh, I started a company, a web design agency with a partner in Germany. And we were growing quite quickly and we, you know, quickly had a team of like 10 people and um, we were working for the Mittelstand, which is like the small medium sized companies in Germany that are very specialized and uh, very strong in export. And we were, you know, we were a big player in our region. And, and we, so, and I was doing this for many, many years and around, uh, so like seven years into this, uh, my partner told me that he wants to leave the business. So I said, yeah, well, that's fine. But, you know, how are we going to do this? And then he was very uh, he says, yeah, you have to give me all this money for me to leave. And I'm like, well, yeah, uh, that might be a problem. So anyway, so we negotiated and long story short, for about a longer than a year, we basically negotiated how much it was caught, how, how much I would have to pay to be able to continue the business, keep the clients and for him to leave. And, uh, and during that time, we had a lot of misunderstandings, let's say, and we, we we were we always had to work together. So we were working together every day, but we didn't really there was still like a bad vibe between us. So which means like for over a year, I got up in the morning and I didn't feel like going to work and it didn't feel good and I was working too much and uh so it it was it was it was taking a toll on me but I you know those things creep on slowly and I didn't really realize how burned out I was getting but anyway so at some point we finally um, did the 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 split and I paid him money and he was gone and I was there and I had these uh, nine employees. So I hired a um, I hired someone for sales and I trained this person um, really next to me for a whole year. I taught him everything about sales and all the and after about ten or twelve months, uh, he got good and he started getting bringing in business. And so I was finally able to to switch um, to switch to the other field. And this was a few weeks before the summer vacation. And on the summer vacation, or my family, we were going, going to go to the US for a month. I was getting ready to leave. And then my this salesperson comes to me and tell, and gives me a, a letter of resignation and says, he's leaving and he's going to join my competition. Of course, now that of course came as a shock and um, just increased my stress level like like five notches up. And so I said, what am I going to do? So I basically negotiated with him to keep it quiet for a while and to stay on and do, you know, I, you have to kind of like, you're forced to trust. Um, but it also led to a lot of challenges. And I spent, I think the next few days before my flight, I spent uh, day and night really like working things off and pre-working and all this stuff. And I usually, there was no family at home. So I came home at like three in the morning, four in the morning every day. I need to, I can't go on like this and I need to change something. So then all these ideas came because I had visited Israel quite a few times. My wife had family in Israel and I love Israel. And I said, well, you know what, maybe I'll start going to Israel. I started going like the next few months. I started, spend, I flew to Israel once a month for a week and spent a week in Israel, like just going to the beach and, and working a little bit from there and, and just hanging out and then back to the office. Um, so for a few months I did that and it was f- it was good for me, but uh, it wasn't good for the business and it wasn't good for the morale of my employees and that didn't really work. So I knew I had to change something else. And long story short, I made a, I, I made a plan to virtualize the business, to shut down everything, take it to Israel and move there with my family.
0: So from the time you decide to move to Israel, um what was the timeline um i'm very curious that
1: whole process took another uh, well a year and a half or almost two years and because during that time we i moved my business to a smaller office and i waited for all of my employees to find other jobs like i didn't let anyone go directly the last person to leave was uh, my uh, project manager who'd been with me for many many years um, we went and visited like our, all of our main clients and I told them, well, look, we're no longer supporting our software. We're no longer working. We're, we're no longer, uh, you know, we're ending the relationships. A lot of those clients said, oh, you can't do that. And, you know, we want you to stay on. So then I, I saw an opportunity there. So I said, so what I did is I renegotiated. I renegotiated some of the contracts with them and I sent them, um, yeah, sent them proposals and they said, and the client said yes to everything. So I had these contracts in my pocket and was able to come to Israel, working for basically the twenty percent of my best clients. And so I had uh, immediately I had eighty percent less stress. I'm, I'm
0: sure you, you had uh, definitely less stress, and that's that's a very unique story you, you you're sharing with us here today. Um, and I think each and every one of us has uh, its uniqueness in his decision and and way to come live in Israel. Um, but, but why, what can you tell us about your, uh, way of adapting, uh, to Israel, um, your way to connect with the culture? Um, what is your take on that?
1: Yeah, I really have to say, I mean, you know, I didn't come as someone who had to come and find a job or integrate himself or do the army. So I, I, didn't feel that it was very difficult for me. Um, of course, there were some challenges, but I, you know, I had been to Israel quite a few times as, as a younger person traveling. So I didn't really arrive in Israel as a new immigrant with no, you know, with, with, uh, no
0: base but what about the great israeli bureaucracy
1: the bureaucracy certainly wasn't easy uh nothing with uh you know a living uh con- f- internet contracts all that stuff is everything's a negotiation everything's complicated uh everything you can they can overcharge you or if you you know not n- not speaking the language very well yeah. i mean i did speak hebrew but not you know not not really good enough for to you know negotiate a bank account and all these things. I mean, sort of, but like I wasn't completely lost. But I had to, that had to, I had to kind of build that. So yeah, I mean that that was certainly challenging.
0: What's for sure is that when you when you plan to come live in Israel and then you land in Israel, you have to be ready uh, for that cultural shock, uh, which you know I think is a great thing um but yeah you, you have to be ready for it and and you have to be very open-minded and 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 you know accept the whole melting pot and, and and the challenge uh in its whole
1: the thing is like many people they come and they say well you know how am i gonna how am i gonna adapt israel has a completely different culture me personally like as i said in the beginning like i'm very malleable very um my my whole my own culture is like so flexible that nothing really shocks me like i try just to adapt some some of it and just try to like it instead of coming as an american or as a european and saying well you know they seem rude or this is too direct or this is like that or this should be like that or they're not or people not following rules here um so i i don't come from that mindset at all i'm like totally open it's like new world and i'm i'd I'd rather just try to fit in and you know how that you say the grass is always greener so you think back and you 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 just think the things that are, you're comfortable with and that are, you know, that you're familiar with. They they seem comfortable. They seem they seem better. Uh, but it's like I think you have to get used to this uncomfort. There, I mean, and there's hundreds of examples. I'm sure a lot of the listeners know this as well. Like, uh, but you know, any anything that you that you say yeah, that you think is kind of sucks in Israel, or we say, oh, only in Israel this can happen. Like a lot of times when I hear that, I always think. What is actually good about that, about that trait? What does that actually mean? And what, like, what can you learn from it? And, and, and I see it in, you know, in the business world too. I don't know, because you wanted I guess, to speak about innovation too and, and, and all that. So
0: yes, absolutely.
1: Um, you know, some, some of these, these typical entrepreneurial, uh, people, like when I see you hear some of the founders of like the really, uh, big uh, startups, you see them talk like the founder of Wix, uh saw them talk or or Misha Kaufman from Fiverr or or Lemonade. Some of these people, um, they're like, I don't know, like I admire them so much because they have this mentality of, of, you know, always start before you're ready and always just like do and course correct instead of like overthinking things. And you know, I I wish I had some of that, and I'm always trying to be around startups and entrepreneurs because hoping that some of that rubs off, and I'm learning from that. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is something that's more prevalent in Israel than anywhere else. And sure, yeah, I've I've known startups in France and in Germany, and and some of the founders, and and there are some of these types as well, but uh, they're much more rare. And in Israel, this is like this can be even like non-entrepreneurs can be sort of have this entrepreneurial go spirit.
0: This is actually the best introduction uh, I could ask for um, regarding the core topic of our podcast. And today's topic is to try to explain why international talents, Olim, are so important in the innovation startup ecosystem. Um, And I would love to have you answer that sort of problematics um or just like great topic
1: yeah that's a that it's a big task to answer i just can just give you a little bit of of my experience um so you hear sometimes you hear people say well yeah international talent I, i won't have a chance in israel or but it's the the israelis are i i think are just as as um let's say uh are not so self-confident when it comes to uh to the business environment in other countries so of course everyone in business they're everyone's building their business from the beginning knowing they have to they don't just build in israel and then expand basically they start international from from day one in in general and but um but people are speak speak English quite well, so they, and and you know they've been to America a few times. They they orient themselves towards English speaking and towards towards the U.S. in their business, and that's fine. But of course, Europe is much. It's a much harder step, and people, it 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 you know it takes a lot of. Uh, it it's very hard to just jump in because you you immediately gets you hit a wall with with Europeans. You can't just negotiate and then just expect everything to happen. It's like, you really have to learn that. And that's, but I think Israelis are aware, kind of aware of that, even though they don't, they, but they're still themselves, you know, they just say, well, yeah, I mean, I can still push through. And sometimes it might work. But, you know, if you you have a product that is so, like, so innovative and a European corporation, like a car manufacturer just needs it, (laughs) then, okay, then, you know, then you can push through but for everything else i think you're they you know they need people who know how to navigate that and you know international talent is and and or olim Khadashim, it's 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 can be the greatest strength
0: from your perspective how do you uh think that europeans are looking considering israel and the innovation landscape here
1: well i think it's growing closer and closer together now i've seen in the last few years the interest in israel is enormous and the fact that israel is such a successful um, producer of startups and innovation is now very well known i think in all industries and everyone's heard of israel and every everyone knows that things are going on there and and like in the business community and uh you know and it, People say, yeah, we need to visit, we need to do things. So that's why like this this whole, um, I'm g- going to say delegation business is like before COVID was like enormous. It was running and I was a little bit a part of that, you know, bringing uh, delegations from Germany or um, from Brazil. Um, so there, the interest is there. And th- I think it's a matter of time. I think in a few years, it will not be so complicated. Like every, I think the cultures get to know each other and it's going to... Mer- well it's not going to merge right away but it's it's going to be uh get, get easier and easier to you know negotiate and i think this sure it's uh, right now it's still very valuable to have like cultural training i know like with my like the german delegations that i bring i tell them look we're going to visit these startups some of them are big, you know, sp- sponsored by Microsoft or others, and they you, you go in and then they get a presentation by a by a CEO who's coming in flip flops and shorts, you know, and a tank top. <laughs> yeah, that's and they the, like they absolutely don't expect that. But I tell them, look, leave your jackets, don't bring your ties to Israel, don't bring your jackets. You don't need them. You know, if you need a button shirt, bring a button shirt. But it's really like you can't really underdress here. Um, of course, it's a, maybe it's a little bit of exaggeration but in a way it's um, but it's much more true than it isn't and uh, the same thing i you know i explain to the to the delegates like to the german business people i tell them look all these startups that you're going to meet each of them has checked you out and they know exactly what they want from you they want a field test they want a cooperation they want an investment they want a client of yours they want to do this with you they want you know like they're going to propose things and and I like I teach them instead of teaching the Israelis. I teach them. I say, look, they they don't understand when you say, okay, sounds good. We'll think about it. No, like you like it or you don't like it. You know, say it. Yeah, so, that's that's um, that's
0: actually a very interesting point. That uh, you know we Israelis uh, very straightforward, and and you face Europe, which is also working at a very much different pace. Uh, and, and I mean, if you don't know that, if you don't know that you need to go through like 20 emails and phone calls and go through, you know, people that are definitely not decision makers in order to advance in your project, then you can you can be very frustrated from it. I think that's, that's amazing that you're kind of an asset to these Israeli entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah. You know, the, um, the, the, my delegations, like the, when they get back to Germany, they tell me, I've never, ever, seen anyone anyone doing so much follow up than these startups like every two every two days they get a new an email have you thought about it what's going on can we start you know
0: that's <laughs> that's also
1: because the people you know those people are also business people or like all like small business owners and stuff so so they understand that they just they're just not used to that but i think A lot of people focus on like the Israelis need to learn to slow down, they need to learn the cultures. I'm going to say yes, but I I look at it from the other way. I I would rather like teach the world how how the Israelis think and have, you know, and try to learn some of that and actually make use of it. Because it's you get a lot of more, a lot more things moving. And
0: so, you know, following uh, what you say, you are the founder of Israel Innovation Network. And so in, in what you just said, uh, about the, the delegations, et cetera, can you expand a little bit more about, you know, what are you doing and, and, and how, how, how engaged you are, uh, within uh, the Israeli startup ecosystem and, and how it is for you to be in that position?
1: Right. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a big shot in the Israeli uh, innovation system as such. Uh, but I've been around a lot and I've, um, work with startups, um, both in Israel and Israeli startups, bringing them, uh, helping them with business development or, uh, business, uh, uh, yeah, business development in Germany. Um, but also I've tried to start my, I've started my own startup in Israel back in 2012, 2013, and it eventually didn't pan out. Um, but so I was basically, uh, uh, in this ecosystem. And I was going to every meetup every day to meetups. And so I was, I met a lot of people. Um, I've just been around. I'm you know, as, as I said, I haven't, um, you know, I'm maybe not, I, I, I the, with the connections I have people, delegations came to me and this way, this is how it got started. But it, it was still like, it kind of died down now during COVID and it was always kind of a side project for me. And um, so that's why, since COVID, what I started is I basically transitioned to um, I transitioned to the on- to online. And right now, what I'm just doing is I'm just I'm showcasing Israeli startups. Um, I'm doing video podcasts, kind of like we're doing now, just with video, and um, uh, startups that have you know interesting innovations that maybe uh, the world hasn't heard about yet, or, and basically helping them get exposure at the same time as basically promoting Israel and Israeli innovation a little bit around the world. And this is something I still consider a side project because there's not, you know, there's, there's no clear business model behind it. So I'm not, you know, charging for anything, but of course, behind the scenes, then a lot of things happen, connections, um, startups that need things. uh, connections I have, people I can get together, investors and so on. So that occasionally happens. Um, but r- my, my main mission is really just to help the Israeli startups anyway. All this is while I'm building my other and working on my other business.
0: What do you think is so unique about innovation in Israel?
1: Well, I, for me, like okay you have what everyone knows you know the army is a reason and the 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 engineers and the russian immigrants and this, and this and this and this and it all comes together and it's all true but for me the main thing that i see and i don't know this is facilitated by a bunch of factors but what i see is that in israel it, the the people see themselves as 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 a as a people as a family more than most people realize and more than in in any any other country does, I think. And and what I mean by that is that, like, there is, while there is competition, most Israelis basically just cheer on the other Israelis. So, for example, um, if I, I had a, so I had a a delegation and I was contacting some startups to, um, to uh, meet them and to present. So there was one startup they were very small and they were currently, you know, they were currently in another country at an accelerator and this and that. But then they came back. And so they said, OK, uh, we don't have an office and we don't have a meeting room, but what other startups are you going to see? So I said, well, we're you know, that day we're going to see that startup. So the person's like, OK, one moment. And he was like on the other phone, like on the other line or just like, oh, Okay, And then it's like, okay, we're going to meet at the same place. Just, you know, like consecutive meeting. So wherever, like any startup that needs a space, that needs a help from another startup, like everyone opens it, it all up for each other. And that's the, that's, that's crazy thing you have. And then you have like co-working spaces that you can approach them. If you have an event, they'll just say yes. And they even give you catering. Like, I don't know. I mean,
0: the, I really like your everyone approach your is analysis. so helpful.
1: Yeah. Everyone is so helpful in in this ecosystem and everyone looks out for each other and, and recommends each other. um, You know, even competitors, like if there's something I can't do with you, like, yeah, go, go see this guy, see this guy, see this guy. Like every, everyone wants to make connections and wants to help each other, you know, without asking anything in return. I mean, because it's a karma and it comes around and you feel, you really feel that in the, in the ecosystem, you know, people think, yeah, it's everyone's like just elbows and, 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 but it's, I don't see it like that at all. Like I see everyone's approachable um, and that's what's different here. If I need to, if I need to reach someone from high up in, I don't know, in Google Israel, Facebook Israel, it's a phone call away. I mean, it's very easy. Like I'm I'm exaggerating, but basically they're going to have their mobile phone number on the website. Like they're so approachable. It's true.
0: It's very true. And also the um you know it's like in a, in some concept of Haver, maybe Haver, like when it comes from uh, employment but for sure like they they support we support each each another and and that's very unique about, about that's what's very unique about israel and i very much like the approach of what this is why innovation in Israel is very unique now let's talk about camelate uh okay. in two parts what it is number one and and second how it is for you to start in 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 the current uh covid crazy world uh a new business
1: right okay so Camelate was the name was actually born in 2013 um while i was working on my other startup um we um we had a friend who was bringing us camel milk from fresh camel milk from a farm and we told us about all the health benefits of camel milk. And so we started drinking camel milk and it it actually felt really good. Like it it's, it's, I mean, it's used for tons of, it's been used for thousands of years for all kinds of things, but it's used in autism. It's, it's helpful for, uh, it has insulin like properties. It has, um, very, it has like six times the vitamin content of cow milk, um, but much less fat and no lactose and it has natural lanolin and it has like it's it's full full of health benefits uh, when you drink it but we you know we saw that it's also it's something um we we saw um we saw some products that where they use it as cream like in a pharmacy in Egypt I saw you could buy like a chamomile cream or something it's it's a very rare thing but it's actually also good for the skin. And there's a an Israeli professor who just recently passed away at a very high age of 90, I don't know, ninety-six something, uh uh, Professor y- Yagil. And he he dedicated basically his, the the second half of his life of doing research on camel milk and um cam and camel milk properties on the skin as well, uh, in skincare. And um we were just like fascinated by this so-called superfood. It's like kind of the fir- world's first superfood. And we said, okay, we really, we, we'd like to get into that. And we only started about two years ago to really, um, to really build that project out. And so the last two years, um, we've worked on formulations, production, learning, so many things that I didn't know about before. And right, and today we have products. Uh, we have our first products on the market. Um, they're um, in the market, just in the U.S. And currently, but we're currently eyeing uh, the UAE because the consumers know about camel milk there. So, um, which was nice that we got some press already uh, for being like one of the first uh, Israeli companies that jumping on on the opportunities in in the UAE. So, we're currently in the process of. Of um, registering a business there, and um, you know, making things happen so that we can um, that we can uh, br- bring the products on the market there.
0: What a story! And and I'm am sh- sure you take great pride uh, in being one of the first company also to establish contact, um, and, and 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 start doing business in, in, in UAE um what about the
1: products so the products themselves is basically it's basically skincare so right now we have like um, body lotions and hand lotions and foot lotions and that are very um very effective but um we're all are the product uh, developed in israel everything so far everything's developed in israel everything's produced in israel uh and developed in israel as well and that's right and i mean maybe Upstanding. eventually the, you know we're there israel isn't the only country that uh, has camels and produces camel milk um for but sure but actually I think, is,
0: I think it is pretty uh amazing that you know after everything you lived in your career and all the entrepreneurs you might have that helped etc that your own project that you started eight years ago you know when the idea was born that is you know uh like going out to the market today in the us and eventually in the middle east region uh, to a certain extent you know, I I think it's it's also you talked about karma and and the great vibes you can get. Um, that that's pretty cool. That you know, for now you you're producing in Israel and that it's another Israeli innovation. Let's say,
1: right. And I mean, I mean, you know, and Israeli innovation is everywhere. Like for example, um, what's interesting about camel milk is that camel milk is it's a. It's an expensive um, ingredient. It's an expensive product because it's it's very hard to produce. So like a camel, when a a camel only gives milk while it has basically while it has a baby. uh, And then and then you only get like a few liters, you get maybe like four or five liters, while a cow maybe give 40 liters in a day. So it's, you know, and um, what the interesting thing is that the Israelis have developed, there's an Israeli company that has developed machines to milk the camels uh, so you don't have to do it by hand and they, they, they they've they've sold these machines these machines are are currently um in use in like the biggest camel farm in dubai and they've been there for years this is outstanding so i don't no know matter how what you can di-
0: think of you are going to find an israeli innova- israel innovation behind it
1: exactly now of course the, the the in the gulf so this is all like on a over there it's all like an, on an industrial scale so this is something i don't really even want to get into like what we do we have like a it's a small family-owned farm with just a few animals that that we produce in i mean it produces enough for us at the moment and that's basically what you know that's basically luxury what we're product
0: doing. it sounds Sorry? like a, it sounds like a very exclusive and a luxury product
1: yeah, in a way, in a way, it is. And the camel milk is interesting because, first of all, it's not new; it's very old. But we're innovating with it now because, and the camel milk is the camel milk is the one ingredient that contains basically all of the all of the benefits of all these other ingredients combined. Like, it has vitamins A and B and D and uh, and vitamin C, very high content vitamin C. It has proteins, AHAs. It has like uh, you know fatty acids omega-3 omega-6 omega-9s like everything's elevated it has natural lanolin but it's that's I mean, we're getting in a lot of details but it has it, it actually combines a lot of the, the benefits for the skin so that which leads to that now basically um there's if you don't have like like an active synthetic ingredient that really uh you know, penetrates the skin and like changes things. All the skincare is very similar. And most of them, most of the skincare is based mostly on water. Um, What we do is we have, um, we use in most of our products, we use more camel milk than water as a base. So that's what makes it unique also. And that leads that, that that whatever else, like we only have like essential oils, all our products are natural, like everything's just essential oils, like aloe vera and things like that. what the camel milk leads really to the, to the, um, the, also to the other ingredients, like penetrating the, the outer layer of the skin very much because like, if you take something like argan oil, for example, argan oil is very good, but if you have too much of it, um, it's like it, it will saturate saturated. the pore, yeah. pores and then it just, you know, you, it doesn't really,
0: I I think, uh, I have, uh, you know, there is higher chances that I'm jumping on a flight to Dubai that I'm going to the next super farm. So I guess I will, probably have uh, the <laughs> chance to buy a Camelate cream and product in Dubai, hopefully in the next uh, okay. weeks. And, and actually it, it, it gives me the chance to ask you, um, just like very briefly before we get uh, to the end of the podcast, what do you think about the Abraham uh, Accord, the, the peace in between UAE, Bahrain and Israel, which, which I think is absolutely historical and, and, and you know, something that is going to take Israel to a, to a new era. It's uh,
1: indescribable, in Like what this opens up, and it's like in the rest of the world you don't really hear hear so much about it. I guess it's because everything's politicized now, and everyone either loves or hates Trump or whatever. But I mean, this is like you know, peace in the Middle East is actually happening. Um, you know, on this is
0: it. outstanding. This is this is something very unique and special that that we are uh, living right now. And, and and obviously, this is going to be a great uh, kicker for the Israeli innovation and all the money that it can bring. But but it's also you know thousands of years of history and and hope uh, and that are also coming to you know uh, a brighter future altogether. And and I think yeah, as you say, um, a guy like you that is starting his business, uh, commercializing in the U.S., but now can also just do it. You know at at at. Uh, at next door in Dubai and Bahrain, etc. And obviously, uh, you don't need to explain, like you say, camel latte or camel milk benefits to to to, um, to, to the people of this, of this region. It is absolutely outstanding. It, it changes the whole uh, uh, landscape and challenges, etc. It's it's unique.
1: Yeah, I mean the future is very exciting. So if if anyone listening to this is depressed because of COVID, <laughs> or kind of locked at home somewhere, uh, you know, there's there's massive opportunities coming our way um, with innovation, and um, you know, this is. I guess in every, in every, neg- in every negative, you have to see something positive. Absolutely. And there, you, there always is. It's not just, you don't have to, just have to see it. It just, sometimes it can take years till you, you know, till you realize that whatever bad thing happened was actually might've, might be one of the best things that happened to you.
0: And before wrapping up the episode, if you would have to give one advice uh, to the Olim international talents living in Israel, they want to get into the innovation lex- landscape or into startup or,
1: um i don't know if you saw this there's this there was this film called uh yes i think it's called yes man or with uh, jim carrey yeah with jim carrey absolutely so i'm saying say yes to everything go to go to the meetups meet meet with everyone try to get in everywhere try to meet people um you know just like don't sit at home and think about what to do it's like it's very you know it's very easy to um if, if, if you can figure out how to bring value to someone or if you can just, you know, go go find like the startup that's most interesting for you and contact them and say, I want to work for you for free for a week or for a few days, you know, to, just just to just to give something and then see how it goes. And maybe you're interested in hiring me, something like that, you know, I mean, you know, this is maybe not the recipe for I, I, I don't not quite sure how to answer your advice is be bold. Be bold and like look look for opportunities everywhere. Don't just like take one channel and just do what everyone else is doing. Sure, and a lot of you know a lot of person to person contacts. Go to every meetup, speak to everyone, be open to everyone, network. LinkedIn, use LinkedIn. Israelis are very strong on LinkedIn.
0: Mark, thanks for sharing all of these with us. Uh, really happy we had Absolute the discussion. Pleasure. But before letting you go we are going to stress test your knowledge about Israel. Are you ready?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> Let me get a glass of water here. <laughs> so it's my first test of the day, so. Yeah. <laughs> better, better be ready.
0: It's only four questions.
1: Four questions, go ahead. So are you ready? Yeah.
0: Which dietary style has taken Israel by storm? Vegan, paleo, Mediterranean, or vegetarian?
1: What was the first one? Uh, The second one?
0: Vegan, paleo, Mediterranean, Mm -hmm. or vegetarian?
1: Oh, uh, vegan, absolutely.
0: Absolutely right. Nearly 4% of the the population, or about 300,000 people, in addition to about 560,000 vegetarians in Israel.
1: Plus the the highest density on vegan restaurants. Absolutely.
0: can you name the mysterious ancient underwater vi- village found off the coast of Haifa? So is it Caesarea, Atlantis, Atlitiam or Jericho?
1: <laughs> well, uh, Atlitiam then.
0: <laughs> nice one. So Atlitiam <laughs> is a water well that may be the oldest wooden structure ever found and the oldest evidence of an ancient olive oil industry. Now guess why we get so much olive oil in each and every (laughs) plate we order in Israel. Um, So out of the four that I'm gonna name right now, please tell me which one Israel was the first country to ban, medical marijuana, underweight models, smoking in bars, or Kinder surprise chocolate. Medical marijuana.
1: What was the first one that was banned in Israel?
0: Yeah, Israel was the first country uh to worldwide ban. to ban one of those four. Medical marijuana. Yeah,
1: uh, I, okay, I think it was kinder chocolate. kinder chocolates. I heard about that somewhere.
0: it, it is that's underweight it? models. Uh in two thousand twelve Israel is underweight Yeah, underweight. Yeah, was, My okay, I'm sorry. Oh uh, okay. No, no, that's fine.
1: <laughs> no no I was I was still I was still thinking of underwater. <laughs> I underwater didn't underwater that option.
0: Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So yeah, in 2012, Israel's well. government passed a law banning advertisers from showing models with the body mass index (BMI) of less than 18.5. Outstanding. I think it is, this is really, again, like a very innovative way of, of, of you know passing laws. I think it's 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 kind of cool. Um, yeah. That,
1: that is very cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, last question: How much honey do Israelis consume in total for the Jewish New Year Rosh Hashanah? 160 tone, 1,600 tone, 16,000 tones, or 160,000 tones? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Anyway, it's going to be a lot of honey.
1: Does that conclu- include <laughs> <laughs> that
0: that includes everyone in Israel? So whoever lives in Israel, total in Israel, how much we consume honey for Rosh Hashanah period?
1: Probably probably uh... Um, probably, uh, okay, what was the second one?
0: Uh, like 200, 2,000, around 2,000, around 20,000, around uh, uh, 200,000.
1: 2,000.
0: Absolutely right. So Israel's 100,000 commercial day. hives at about 450 operators produce an average of 3,500 tons of an, per year, of which some 1,600 tons of the sweet stuff are eaten for Rosh Hashanah, for the Jewish New Year, so that's that's a lot of honey.
1: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, let, I, was that the fourth question? That was the fourth question. Absolutely. Okay, so then you, I'll ask you one. Yeah. Okay. Go for go, go for it. No, it's actually, it's just I just wanted to comment because on the under on the underweight models, um, there's the, Israel also there um, also prohibited um, uh, prohibited Heinz Heinz and Kraft to call their ketchup, ketchup, because it doesn't have enough. Uh, it, they, they're not allowed to call it tomato ketchup because it doesn't have enough tomatoes in it. Incredible. Is it for and real? So, yeah, because it didn't. Yeah. So they, they, they now in Israel, it's not called ketchup. It's not called tomato ketchup. It's called like something else. Like it can't say that it has tomatoes because it has almost no tomatoes in it.
0: With the <laughs> accent, my kids say ketchup. So <laughs> ketchup. <laughs> maybe that's a way to go around the... <laughs> yeah the no no no, but
1: thing. The, no no but you have you know you have the, the israeli one the uh uh is it um is it awesome no which, which yeah awesome probably produces some no, some ketchup. Or one of the or yeah it's one the the typical israeli ketchup is like uh it's like a lot healthier it has like i don't know maybe 25 percent uh actual tomatoes in it or something
0: you bet i'm gonna check on that and I that's that. a wrap for holy tech talk fourth episode mark thank you Dan-
1: Dan, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: So we hope that you enjoyed it. Subscribe to our channel on iTunes and Spotify and stay tuned for the next episode. Ciao, guys.